This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello and welcome this week to a rather different Talking Flutes with myself and Claire Southworth. This is a preface that I've done post-podcast because it's chaotic and it's funnily chaotic in that during the podcast, Claire's dogs decided to come back with the dog walker and cause absolute chaos. But instead of re-recording the podcast, I'm just going to play it as it happened because... During the podcast, we're we're hitting head head on, you know, when things go wrong, and technically the podcast went wrong because we didn't have silence. So please sit back, smile, because ultimately that's what we want you to do, and just listen to the chaos that is Talking Flutes this week. This is Talking Flutes, and I'm Claire Southworth, and with me today is John Paul Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Claire. Hello, John Paul. I brighten your day up when I come down here, don't I? Oh, goodness me, you brighten up my day. Drink (laughs) all my coffee. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, Hello, everybody. I'm back. Sorry, I'm back. We have a few things to talk about today. Yeah, very different, isn't it, this time? Because we're very much like to accentuate the positives and look on how, how to move forward in life and how to move forward with your flute practice and your flute study. But occasionally that doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, so you want to talk about when things go wrong? Yeah, I think I'd like to hit head on the fact that in life, but also in our music and our flute playing, sometimes things go catastrophically wrong. It could be in a performance, it could be in our study leading up to a performance or an exam or an audition. And yeah, I don't want to flower coat it. Let's, Let's just hit this thing straight on because... I've had disasters, and you probably haven't, but... Oh, I have. I've had, have you? I've had many disasters, or what I perceived as ah, yes. disasters, and that's yeah. the th- I think that's the thing. That's the point, um, isn't it? Perception. It's perception. But let's talk about practice first, Yeah. and then go into performance. Now, I, I think in a key element of practice is going wrong. So it's good to go wrong, because you learn from your mistakes. So... It's not a case of trying to play perfectly. It's You have to think about going wrong as a positive and then work at how to correct the mistakes. I don't think you can improve as much unless you go wrong. Does that make sense? Well, to me it does, yes. Yeah. But it's your reaction to going wrong that then causes that process that yes. affects that- you. If that really affects you and has a very negative effect, then you have to do things. You have to take some time out. Like you you have a walk, cup of tea, listen to a podcast, Mm -hmm. and then go back feeling more relaxed. But sometimes it just takes a day. I I, I remember when I used to practice for, you know, up to six hours a day, most days when I was a student. And you get to the end of the day and and things would go wrong just because you were exhausted or, Mm -hmm. or not concentrating. And then... You'd leave it, and the next day you'd pick up that same thing, think, I've really got to work at this bit, and it was fine. And sometimes you need a day to consolidate. You need time for things to sort of to settle down. 
it's always, you know, a little bit different. We've all got to find our own methods of overcoming. So there is a certainty in life is that as a musician, you are going to foul up. You are going to feel not great at a performance or an audition. You are going to feel lousy at times. You're going to feel pretty low. And it's your reaction to that that will predetermine the coming days, won't it? Yeah, you've always got to be looking forward, look ahead, don't look back. Because look, looking back is history. So easier, of course, in practice when it's not so important. So how do you get the acceptance? You do something and it's not great. You have a practice session, it's not great. How do you not beat yourself up? How do you get to that point where you just accept that was not well, great? We're all, I mean, we're all human. Things don't always go according to plan. If you think of it in a, in a different way, it's a bit like, you know, you wake up in the morning and sometimes you feel full of energy, ready to go, ready to tackle the day. And other times you just can't wake up and you keep hitting the snooze button. Mm-hmm. So your flute practice or your music practice is exactly the same. Some days it just flows and you just can't get enough of it. And other days you just can't get, get through half an hour without feeling that you're banging your head against a brick wall. So you just have to accept that some days are better than others and not to get despondent about it, but try and ring the changes and distract yourself. So if your tone is not going very well, do something for finger technique. If your finger technique's not going well, do something for tone. If the vibrato is not going well, go and go and listen to some performances of somebody else. You distraction is what you have to do. It's the acceptance that it's not going well, isn't it? And it, yes. it, and, and it's, it's figuring that out quite early on in your practice. Yeah, it's like the acceptance that you're you're not going to be the best flute player in the world. Sorry, that was someone going out the front door. Oh, so, yeah, so <laughs> not to worry. It's, it's like being, accepting the fact that you're not the best flute player in the world, you're not the worst flute player in the world. Your practice some days is going to go really well and some days it's not going to go really well. And it's how you deal with it that's, that's important. And it's very subjective. Yeah. You know, like everything in, in music is very subjective. So don't beat yourself up over it. You could record yourself... And then not listen straight away, listen back in a day or two and see whether what you thought was so difficult is as difficult as you thought it was. Mm-hmm. And that, that certainly is a really good learning tool. And then if it is, just let's say that it is as bad as you thought it was, <laughs> which I have to say that 99.9% of the time it's not, try and work out, you have to be listen with a very critical ear and think to yourself, okay, if, if I was my teacher... What would, what would I say about what I'm just hearing? And you can be quite analytical about it. So general impressions, you know, about what you're listening to. could be tempo, it could be style, it could be clarity, it could be tone, it could be just playing the right notes. And you go through all the different aspects and try and analyse what it is that's affecting you, that's making you think that it's going wrong. Ah, and so by doing that, you're taking your mind off the negative and saying you're looking at a positive side because yeah. you're breaking everything it's down. It's got to be constructive criticism. I've always used to say, you know, that I can't bear it when people are critical just for the sake of being critical. So they take you to pieces, but they don't put you back together again. So you need to be constructive in your criticism. Don't just say to yourself, that's awful. You know, I can't play that. You can't leave yourself hanging like that. You've got to say, hey, that was awful. 
But why is it awful? It could be something that you can't change, like it's you're freezing cold and your fingers don't move, or it's boiling hot and you can't keep your flute on your chin. Or it could be that you've, you're, you're, you're hungry and you haven't eaten. There are many sort of external influences. Or it could be that you're trying to play something too fast. So it's, let's say you can't get your fingers around the notes. You have to say, OK, I can't get my fingers around the notes. Why? Could it be the speed? Have I actually practised it slow enough? Am I being too ambitious with the piece? Are you being over-ambitious? You say, OK, I think it's too fast and I can't get my fingers around. So you work out what you can do. So I'm going to take it at a snail's pace and I'm going to gradually work through each aspect of that passage and think of ways to practice it in order to get it better. Not necessarily get it perfect. I hate the word perfect because... What is perfect? You just don't know. Nobody plays perfectly. I've been to so many performances which are not perfect, but it didn't matter because it's, it's what they're communicating to you. Mm-hmm. So constructive criticism is super important. What about that critical voice inside your head that is yadda, 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 yadda? You're going through it. You're feeling quite low. You're sort of a low point and you're studying or you're leading up to a performance, how do you break that cycle of negativity? Because a lot of students, it's a lot of pressure when you come to the end of year or the end of your university or college or you're coming up to your recital or you're coming up to an audition or you're coming up to a big performance, but you're not in the right place. Yeah, but I think we're there we're talking about something a little bit different. We're talking about, first of all, preparation. Mm-hmm. And making sure that you've prepared early enough. In the conservatoires, when you have your final recitals, you've re- you have to, I think from my memory, you have to actually submit your, your programme many, many, many months before the actual recital. So you have to have thought about it and constructed it in the sure. right way. And then, you have to, you, then it gives you time to actually practice it. And it used to be many years ago that you, you didn't have to do that. And so some people were changing their pieces like a week or two weeks before. And that was a never a good, mm-hmm. a good move because you haven't got that security of the, of the practice so that it goes well and the, you know, make sure that you're, you've, you're well rehearsed with the pianist or which, which other instrumentalist you're playing with. So it's really the preparation that's super import- important. And if you haven't prepared, then don't expect things to be going well. They won't. It's the recipe for for disappointment. So that is in practice. Ultimately, if you're doing the the right amount of preparation, if you get to that point where the preparation is done, but things aren't feeling as good, as you rightly said, it may not be what you're hearing that is coming out. It may just be your emotional and mental position you are at that time it may be that the clouds have come over the dark clouds have come over and you're just waiting for them to clear in which case that's a different thing entirely but what about if you have a performance that you don't think you did yourself justice well how we've you all done be- that yeah how do you not beat yourself how up? many times have you come <laughs> off said if only i could do that again yeah but a lot of times people haven't heard it they just think it's brilliant oh, I mean, yeah but because in in performance Often nobody knows if you've gone wrong or made or, or, or there's something happened. Uh, an audience, we've said earlier on, an audience mm. is there to be entertained, not to be critical. There are some 
situations where you can have a critical audience, like going playing flute conventions, yeah. but um, or an audition panel, uh, or or in a competition, because they have to be critical, yeah. hopefully constructive. But you know, obviously, we all need to accept there are lots of different ways of playing the flute, um, lots of different ways of interpreting pieces, and. Sometimes everything goes according to plan and sometimes it doesn't. I said earlier on, if you record yourself so that you know sort of where you are, where you're at, and then I think you can better judge a performance because you know that it was a good rendition in comparison to what you recorded, or maybe it's not. Sometimes performances just feel really, really difficult. But I would say that the majority of the time an audience will never know if you're struggling. They will never, never know because they're there to be entertained. And you know, sometimes it's just like it feels a struggle. It feels a struggle to get the right sounds or to find the right colour or to, or your fingers don't feel as fluid as they normally do. Could, could be from temperature. It could be the acoustic is dead mm. or terribly echoey. It's completely different to where you practice. And those things sort of weigh on your, on your mind and make you feel that you're not doing as well as you should do. The audience don't notice that. And what's the measure? I've always been, I've always found that really interesting. To if you're being or one is being critical about one's own performance, I always found it really weird to uh, understand what my measure was. Was my measure how I've heard it played before? Was the measure what I was expecting my own playing, mm. and what I believe came out? It's having that measure of. If you're going to be critical, what are you being critical of? Well, this is interesting because if you, for all the times that I've been on audition panels and competition panels, quite often in the really important ones, sort of like college diplomas, college final recitals, international competitions, generally speaking, you're given a list of criteria, which is to help you place people. So certainly at the at the conservatoires, there are sort of, you get these sort of boxes. So if it was like a sort of a top, top performance in the top 95%, mm-hmm. it gives you the criteria of what puts that person in that top 95%. And if it's an outright fail, there'll be another box telling you why that might be an absolute outright fail. And that helps you put people in the right area. And then you can be specific. So for me, um, I have a five general criteria that I use, which is very generalised, and then I can be specific within that. So when someone, so if I'm having to judge someone, so I'm not doing this in a concert. In a concert, I go to listen and be entertained. But if I'm having to have my panel hat on, my audition hat on, I'm thinking, does the performance, does it move me? What is the emotional communication or the meaning of the music that that they're playing? So it's, do they speak to me? Do they move me? All right, so that's my first thing. Remember, these are mine. These are not necessarily anybody else's. And then that emotional meaning, is it in the style of that piece, in the correct style of that piece? So it could be they've played a Bach sonata, which is incredibly emotional, really moving, but it's not in the style of Bach. Yeah? So it's whether the emotion's in the style of that piece. 
for me, what's more important is someone to communicate with me. So that's number one, you see. Mm-hmm. And, then, so, and then number two is in, in the style of the piece. The third one is the use of different techniques. So does the performance change the tone colour, change the dynamics, the vibrato, the articulation? I want to hear contrast in everything and not a bland performance. So that's my number three. Number four, are the techniques controlled? So maybe someone plays with loads of dynamics, which I love, but it's absolutely out of tune, I don't love. But I, I appreciate the fact that they're trying to do something. And then my last one, my number five, is the accuracy. So of the notes of the fingers of the markings. So I use that as my sort of benchmark from which I can then be more constructive in my criticism or appreciation of what someone's doing. And anyone who plays can do exactly the same thing with those five criteria to record yourself and then listen back with a critical ear and ask yourself those things. You know, are you... Are you doing something with the music? Is it in the right style? Are you varying the techniques? Are you controlling the techniques? How accurate are you? And a lot of the time, you are. It's just your ear is, or your generalised mood Hmm. is getting you to feel as though you're not in a good place with your Your music. Your perception is not always truthful to what's happening. And so... People come out of a concert that you've done and say, fabulous, fantastic, loved it, so moving. And you're thinking, it felt really cold, difficult, stilted. Maybe just because the acoustic wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I remember there was a performance I did in one of my very early convention concerts. There were about 4,000 people. And I really struggled in that acoustic because it felt completely dead. And I, I played my heart out, but I, apparently I let, this is what somebody said to me, I let the, the difficulty of the acoustic register on my face. I didn't smile a lot. I was concentrating so hard that I didn't look like I was enjoying it. Actually, probably I wasn't enjoying it because I was struggling with the acoustic. But you've got to actually perform. So you actually have to become like an actor. You're acting a part, no matter what's happening around you, you act your part and you don't get influenced by what's going on around you because all the people there have come to listen and, and to enjoy, hopefully to enjoy it. Taking that as uh, the baseline, that you haven't thought it was necessarily a good performance, have you always been okay to accept praise post-performance? I've always struggled with that. I've always struggled with that because you, you go, oh, oh, thank you, but you're thinking, yeah, oh, no, I feel really disappointed. Um, yes. Um, I, rem- I remember there was the great Peter Lucas Graf, yes. who's still playing. Now, if there's anybody close to perfection, it's Peter Lucas Graf. He really wanted to play perfectly, as close as possible. And for many years, he played at, the, at a flute summer school. And I remember him coming off after his recital one year. And for me, it was perfect. It was the most stunning thing ever. And he came off and he was really sort of frustrated because he'd split a note. <laughs> Did you hear it? Did you hear? Did you hear in the, 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 the split? I had to be honest. I no, I just didn't notice. I was so wrapped up in the emotion of the concerts and the excitement of the concert that I certainly didn't notice that, you, that anything happened. It was interesting that 
he was so attuned to everything he did that that, was that one little tiny thing that affected him afterwards. But I think with all performance performances and all performers, you always feel you could do something a little bit more. Mm. I think it's just human nature. It's accepting. When someone makes the effort to come up and say to you, I love that, I really liked it, it's been that position to accept Acceptance. The, the compliment. And again, it's so I find hard. Yeah, it is so oh, hard. Acceptance is really, really hard. I find it now in golf. Someone goes, <laughs> great shot. And I go, no, no, I didn't hit that well at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the same, same sort of thing. So I think anyone's listening today, if you've got a performance coming up or you're going to play something or in a, in a lesson even, or someone's listening to you and they go, that was beautiful great job, you know, really enjoyed that. Just say thank you. Because it's you've got to accept. And it's, I said, it's very subjective. And if it was bad, they're not going to come and tell you, crikey, that was rubbish, are they? No. They're not going to take their time to come and speak to you and say, no. I didn't enjoy that no. at all. But I think, you know, for, certainly for, for your teacher, um, you know, if your teacher's saying, congratulations, well done, that was beautifully played, then you've got to take that and say, Thank you. Do you think it's a self-critical nature of being a musician? Yes, because it's there's no there's what is correct, what is perfect. Well, nobody <laughs> yeah, knows. No. You know what is a correct sound? What is correct articulation? What is you know what is the correct interpretation? Well, it was whatever moves you, but of course, whatever moves me would not necessarily move you or somebody else in an audience. Exactly, and it could just be a maybe just playing one note. There's the the oboist. Nicholas Daniel, one of the, the, the best oboe players around. Uh, I used to play in a group with him. And when he played the A to tune up, I would be thinking, wow. <laughs> it was just the most musical A. And it just sort of struck a chord with me. And it just beautifully played with, with, with feeling, with intent, with emotion. It was just amazing. I thought just... It used to make me really think about how do you tune up, make sure that note that you tune up with is created with the same conviction and emotion as if you're playing your piece. I've never heard of a tuning note sort of moving anybody, Claire. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Nick Daniel. <laughs> we come around in a full circle, really. So it, if you think you're having a bad day at the office your practice isn't going well or you think you haven't done a very good performance, it's very rarely that you wouldn't have been able to move somebody with that performance. It's our critical brain that has just jumped in and has told us that we, we failed, we haven't done it very well. But the yep. likelihood is it's been okay. Yep. It may not have hit that bar, but as you've already said, sometimes you've hit the bar but you can't hear it yourself, you can't feel it. Because the mood you're in. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of noise in a minute, John Paul, because three dogs are just being brought <laughs> oh, like home. That. So I think we'll put it on pause for a minute. See you in a minute. The dogs are coming in. <laughs> this is this is quite crackers because we literally have how many, there's three pooches. Oh, four now. Oh, yeah. There's, where's the little there's one come from? Hello, little one. Cracky. Right. Minnie, out. There's never a dull moment here, is there? No. Wow. Oh. I like you. I like you. That's Pookie. He's a border terrier. I know, Pookie. I like 
terriers. I'm sorry, we've disturbed our whole recording. No, that's fine. <laughs> but Welcome to the madhouse. Yeah, that's, that's the point, isn't it? I think, ultimately, as a musician, do you think we... Some of the pressures and the down days we have is that, you know, we sometimes take ourselves just a little too seriously and our music, even though it, it may be our, I know they're barking in the garden, but do you think that sometimes we, it is serious because a lot of you will be earning money by it, it will be your profession, but often in putting that pressure on you to have perfection that, <laughs> this is, I love this. Oh, there they come. Whee! I am literally surrounded. Well, it could be worse. I could be surrounded by vipers. <laughs> oh, dear. This is terrible. Right. So, so we're not in any posh studio. This sort of brings a reality to, to everything. We're in your kitchen. Yeah, this is, this is real life. <laughs> and... But going back to my previous point, do you think some of the pressures that we put on ourselves is A, because we ex uh, ex expect perfection, B, that we're... <laughs> they're all drinking. <laughs> they're all drinking and they're all going mad. Um, oh. oh, You're going to have to edit out a lot of this, John Oh, Paul. no, I'm going to keep it all in. I think it's really funny. <laughs> I think it's really funny, <laughs> especially as we're talking about when the clouds descend, because, you know, when you've got a dog, you know, they are very much in the moment, aren't they? they and they just bring so much joy. <laughs> and sometimes we forget about the joy in the, if things aren't going well, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, they certainly bring joy and also, also a lot of disruption. <laughs> <laughs> so my apologies. <laughs> I, th I think in music we have to look at the positives, obviously, but there are times when negatives do occur and we just have to accept that it's a down day or things haven't gone well, but also understand that... Um, I'm being attacked here. Just, <laughs> just understand that the down day may not necessarily be a down day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we just need to keep perspective on things. I think... One thing that the, the, the last couple of years has shown us is that we've got our, we get our, priori we've got our priorities rearranged yeah. uh, with all the troubles we've had. And, okay, if you're having a bad day, so what? Yeah, agreed. Just, just yeah. move on, look ahead. Don't look back, look ahead. Tomorrow's a different day, or the afternoon's a different part of the day. And try and go and get, get distracted, listen to something inspirational, uh, an inspirational performer or obviously podcasts are really good for get to get distracted or get outside you know go outside walk run have a game of tennis you know something yeah. to take your mind off and put things in perspective and know that crap happens yeah and how lucky we are to play the flute yeah we haven't actually said that before yeah, we're we? so lucky to play the flute and it's not the double bass <laughs> Carting that around, or, or being a percussionist, but we are. We're, we don't. We can't blame anything, can we? We can't. We haven't got a reed we can blame. No. Nope. We haven't got a bow that we we got we got problems with, or a mouthpiece. It's literally our voice. Yeah, and to try and enjoy it. You know, we do it for everyone. Everyone started for pleasure. You know, as 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 a hobby, 
And some of us have been very lucky that that hobby has become a job. Mm. But trying to never lose fact, the fact that it was started as sheer enjoyment and a, and a love of music, a joy of music. Surround yourself with, with lovely music and not necessarily just playing your flute all the time. Yeah, I do like that. Never forget why you started to play in the first place. Yep. We all did it because it gave us great joy. Frustrating, yes, at some times. Oh dear, we've got a howler now. Oh, have we? Yes. <laughs> They're talking. <laughs> yes. He's, he's saying, where, where, are my, where are my owners? Where are they? Have they abandoned me? <laughs> so if it, basically, Claire, we are... Let's almost, with our music, taking, going back to our orig origins of trying to find the joy we had when we first started. Yes. Let's keep smiling, which is important. Appreciate the fact that whatever sounds we make are that, is that sound. Know that we have the flexibility that we don't have to blame it on the mouthpiece, the reed, <laughs> or the double reed in the case of the oboe and the bassoon, and we don't have a bow. And understand that that gives us a lot of freedom. Yeah. And tomorrow's another day. You know, don't put undue pressure on yourself. Just try and enjoy. And if you've lost that feeling of enjoyment because of pressures of mm. auditions or lessons, whatever, have a selection of pieces that you absolutely adore, that you can just go and play through. Because sometimes that's all you need. To play for fun. Sometimes if you're doing your instrument more seriously, you forget to play for fun. Whereas when you start, you play for fun. So if you're a serious flute player who's sort of lost their way a little bit, go back and play for fun. Or find some new material. Do things with backing CDs. Do, do play, play some light music, jazz music, not necessarily classical music. And... Do play something completely different to get back to those early days of just, you know, the love of the love of the flute and the love of flute music. I can't add to that, Claire. I think that's a a very nice time to end this podcast this week. Great stuff. Don't forget to rate and like us on the podcast provider you're listening this to this on. And you can follow us on Talking Flutes at Facebook and Talking Flutes at Instagram, Claire Flute on Twitter, and at Flute on Twitter also. And emails. Oh, emails, yes, mustn't forget emails. Please continue to email in your ideas for future pods and questions to flutepodcasts at gmail.com. Claire, thank you for inviting me down. You're very, very kind as always. And I, I just love the old chaotic podcast. Why not, eh? It has been chaotic, so I'm really sorry. Oh, no, that. I think that, seemed, that makes everything seems more real, doesn't it? And we were talking about when things go wrong. We're not sort of, we're not worried that, oh, we're going to have to start this podcast again because of all the noise that's gone on. Because technically, you could say the podcast has gone wrong because we've had lots of dogs around, but it <laughs> hasn't. We're laughing, we're smiling, and we hope you are too. So until we speak again. Bye good, for now. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.